Welcome to the Nate KG Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the nuances of jump rope, where I talk with jumpers of all skill levels, backgrounds, and fitness goals. Usually I interview a guest on the show, but this episode is a little bit different. From the beginning of the podcast, I've gotten requests to have somebody else do an interview of me. So this is the first of a series of episodes where I have other jumpers ask me questions. On this episode, Chad Gonzalez hops on a call with me and goes through a solid list of questions. We cover lots of ground, including when to offer advice to another jumper on Instagram, why competitive jumpers don't often sponsor jump ropes, tips on the single under cross, and a lot more. I had a great time doing this episode, and I hope you all get a lot out of it as well. As usual, the show notes can be found over at natekg.com. And now, please enjoy this interview of me, hosted by Chad Gonzalez. Chad, how's it going, man? Hey, Nate, going pretty good. I am super pumped for this episode. It's it's fun doing these kind of Q&A things. I think that you and I are going to have uh, plenty of fun stuff to talk about, and I'm curious to see what you've, uh, what you've got ready for me. Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, the idea kind of came when you were a couple episodes ago when I mentioned that uh, you kind of became the interviewee in the, in the episode, and they were asking you questions, and it was kind of cool to see how it, your brain was being picked on like your freestyle routine and how you were attacking and you kind of got hit with three questions in a row and I remember kind of chuckling at my desk thinking man he's becoming the interviewee <laughs> yep yeah so I think uh just to kick things off where I want to start I just wanted to give you a little information uh you're actually the only jump roper that I follow that I can pinpoint the exact post I made and the exact date that I made that post where you followed me and you made a comment really? to that post. Really? Well, I'm curious. What was that? Yeah, so I looked back on it. I knew I, I had to actually look back on it, but I remembered the comment. And it was June 12th, 2018. And oh, at the sweet. time, I was doing a Fit Fight Challenge. And I think uh-huh. it was the most double unders you could do in one minute. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, uh, I think I was at 134 at the time. And there, that app wasn't huge at the moment, so I thought I had a pretty good chance of winning. And and I really hadn't had a whole lot of followers. I wasn't following a whole lot, really wasn't utilizing Instagram to its full potential yet. But you come in with this comment, and it not only was the comment, but you had like this nerdy-looking profile picture of a guy in glasses and a bow tie. I don't know <laughs> if that was you. No, that was me. That was on purpose. Yep. That was Yeah, yeah. So I remember I that this, one really weird looking profile picture and then your comment was just simple your hand positioning is awesome huh and so that right away i gotta go you know because you, sometimes you get a lot of unsolicited advice from some from people and you got to kind of go into their profile and say yeah. is this advice here is that is that a comment legit does this guy know what he's talking about mm-hmm. and so i go to your profile at the time and the post right then the first one around that same time was you on like a gymnastic spring floor and you're just throwing out some insane quads which at the time I didn't even know were quads I just <laughs> seen these multiples and release a release multiple in a quad and and I was hooked on wow that was really a I hadn't seen much freestyle jumping at the time mm-hmm. I was still from the fitness side of jumping so uh, I hit follow at the time as well. And I think that was about the same time you followed me. So yep. that sounds about that's right. Where it, that's kind of, you're the only jumper I really can pinpoint. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, thanks for sharing that story. That's really fun following. for me. Yeah. 
And so, and, you know, that led me to uh, really get big into Instagram. Um, I think it was like two or three weeks later, not much longer, that Mike started doing the combo of the day. Mm-hmm. So I finally saw some of the tricks from you, you know, that first post. But then he started putting out combos of the day, and that was my first time actually trying to do some of those weird crosses yeah. and, and things like that. And so then I kind of moved on from fitness side of jumping and, and over to your side. And so well, I think it's a, just... it's a blend too. Like, I don't think that it's necessarily one or the other. I think that you, I, like, I, cause I've watched you for a while. I think you have this nice mix of integrating competitive freestyle skills, but also still sticking with a very fitness focused style of jumping a lot of the time. I think you, I think you, I, you blend a lot of those together really well. Oh yeah, I certainly try. So that kicks me off to uh, kind of want to stay on the social media side for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. With that, you know, at the time, and I don't know if your mindset has changed over the last year now. Um, what do you look for in a follower then? Are you following, you know, like a jump rope hashtag on a daily basis? Are you looking, uh, just doing my homework, you only follow 918, only 918 mm-hmm. people? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, I like that. i not yeah, I'm not ready for that. That's awesome. I honestly, <laughs> it's so, this is probably going to be a really bummer of an answer. It's so random. Like it, it, it's the thing is I tend to chat with a lot of folks about jump rope and I would love to follow every single person, but then it kind of dilutes what I end up seeing on my feed, you know, oh, yeah. at least right now. And this could, this could change, but basically what happens is if I have a conversation with somebody and we're going back and forth, a lot, I probably will end up following them. You know what I mean? Like if I get tagged a bunch and this person and I are having conversations all the time, like you and I did done, you know, but there's also the case where I might talk with someone and because I talk with them, I forget that I'm not following them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I'll think that I'm following them, but I'm actually not. So like if I don't follow anyone, it's rarely on purpose, if that makes sense, you know, uh, but that's a good question. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes I even get like you kind of notice when you post a video that the same person keeps following over and over again. You go, wow, yeah. and then you finally look at them. This person follow or likes every one of my videos, and you, oh, I'm not following them, but they keep giving me those likes all the mm-hmm. time. I better, I hit it back. Exactly. The exception is that with private accounts that I can't tell our jump rope because that it that's a different whole other ball game, you know. But yeah, that's that's a good question, man. That was fun. <laughs> So, yeah, then you talk about, uh, you know, growing the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look up on YouTube right now, and I, it's funny because I had this question as we talked about doing this podcast a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I, had this que- I had this question in mind, and then all of a sudden you started posting some tutorials on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of – but the question is, you know, you look up jump rope on YouTube, and mm-hmm. it's the fitness counts that are relevant. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to grow the sport. Why do you think it is that – we can't, we're not going to see the views, the subscriptions and the, and the likes, you know, when you try to search the freestyle videos on like a YouTube right now, mm-hmm. it just seems like it's living in the Instagram world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good question. And this is something that I actually spend an insane amount of time thinking about. Um, there's a couple different ways we can kind of take this in terms of, uh, getting you. So you're asking me about why do we not see more activity on YouTube with the competitive jump ropers and 
the fitness enthusiast jumpers. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So one YouTube, just a little bit different, um, in the way that it works with engagement. So it's not as interactive as Instagram is right now. So that's definitely a piece of it. The other piece of it is that there's a different, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to, to bridge the knowledge gap, you know? Um, because what happens is for somebody who's brand new to jump rope, if they see anything other than a fitness application, it's not going to make sense. And it's not going to be very common for somebody to want to jump in and try to learn it off of seeing a video of you or me or someone like Sonny or Mike or any of these people that you and I interact with on a daily. If they see a video of them doing some skills, it's not necessarily going to inspire them the same way because it seems a bit unattainable compared to a video of breaking a skill down or explaining the differences and, and slowing things down so that they can see what's happening. And that comes back to bridging the knowledge gap, which is something that I chat about very, very frequently. You know, the fitness videos that we see are very palatable. They're very easy to understand and they're broken down in a way that most people um, are receptive to, but something that is more complex and more complex can be a toad, you know, just across under the leg. Like that's, that's going to count as very complex for somebody who has little knowledge, you know? So in terms of boosting and getting more videos on YouTube with higher amounts of traction, it's going to come down to being very creative and very aware of what's needed um, to speak to those people who don't know about jump rope. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So then sticking in the Instagram world, Mm -hmm. uh, how how, uh, worried are you when you post something compared to, you know, like a new jumper, not just new jumper to jumping, but maybe someone who's new to editing and putting a lot of stuff on Instagram. Mm -hmm. How worried do you think we should be about followers, views, likes? I know actually some people are starting to get likes taken away. So you don't Mm -hmm. see those numbers, but how caught, how caught up do you think we should be in that? Cause we're trying to grow jump rope. You're also trying to grow your own account, but you know, getting those views and followers, you're growing the sport of the jump rope. So how mm-hmm. caught up should we be versus, you know, not getting in your head about it? Yeah. So if we look at the long term of how this is going to play out, those things don't really matter in, in my perspective. I think what matters is being an active part of the community over time and throughout the years continuing to meet more people and talk with more people and have real human interactions, the likes and the followers don't are not really important unless you have a very specific goal. And I think that a huge, a huge piece of social media that needs to be very, very clear um, and very front of mind is why are you there? You know, what, what are you on this platform for? And if you're there just to share what your progress is and to share and connect with other people, the likes and the followers just don't really, they don't, 
matter. They're not really a proxy for anything, if that makes sense. If you're trying to run a business and you're trying to have um, sponsorship and advertising opportunities, it matters how many people you're able to reach. And if you're, every single person will play their own part regardless of how many people that they are connected with because most likely you are connected to at least 20 other real humans that are different than people that I'm connected to, right? Unless all of a sudden I skyrocket to a million people overnight, <laughs> it's just not, I mean, there's just not going to be a hundred percent overlap. And that, and that includes every other person that's on Instagram on that platform. Right. So it really comes down to understanding that you can use Instagram for sales you can use Instagram for a private little community. You can use Instagram to explore and to be entertained. There's all these ways to use this tool that's in front of us, but being very clear and aware of why we're there is going to help determine whether or not to track the vanity metrics, you know, um, because they can be important in certain contexts. But I think for the context of what you and I are talking about right now, for most jumpers, it's actually not important. What matters more right. is how many real conversations do you have in a year, in two years? How many times have you gone and met up with people who are really good jumpers that you've gotten along with and you've had a great conversation with, you know? Oh, yeah. I think what's awesome to see, too, is like when I see somebody land something new, they're tagging you or somebody else and saying, he helped me with, you know, thanks to Nate for a few tips he gave me, which I can just imagine that, you know, because I've had the same conversation with you on certain things. And I can just imagine the same thing. You've taken, you know, your own time out of your your day and saying, here's a few tips. And you, you help somebody in this online format in the background and they were able to land it and tag you. Yeah. And, and that also applies to everyone else that shares knowledge. You know, I... I have my own bias on what kind of knowledge I think should be shared and, and should be disseminated. But the truth of the matter is when it comes down to teaching, every person receives information very differently than one another. So I might tell you something and then you might go talk to someone who's just started jumping and got across for the first time. And for whatever reason, they might say something or use some kind of metaphor that clicks in your brain differently than the way my information was for you. Does that make sense? So like, Oh yeah. You know, and, and I, I, yeah, I I take the time out of my day to send these messages because I know how useful it can be because there's not that much knowledge widely available right now, but also any, everyone else does the same thing. And that's kind of like the cool part of this platform, you know, is that we're all able to share what we know. And that's kind of a, I think that's a very unique thing with jump rope. I don't think it's very common in sports to, constantly try to share information like immediately you know so do you think especially for beginners i don't know that everyone's always receptive for you know critiques and advice they're just on there they they may have you know built up enough nerve just to post something for the first time and think they're doing good and then you get somebody who just wants to say oh you know your rope is too long you're not crossing far enough even though they got two or three crosses when do you think is the best time to actually go in and and provide a little feedback and when do you think it it should have just been a hey you're doing awesome keep at it i feel like i've had both 
Yeah, this is where I've made a huge mistake. When I first started um, getting into Instagram a little bit more and trying to cultivate um, more people that I'm connecting with, I would go in and I would drop a comment and I would do the compliment sandwich, right? Hey, you're putting in a lot of work. That's awesome. If you change your hands and do this and do a little bit of this, this is going to make the skill a lot better for you, but great job. And the truth is when someone's posting, if they don't know you, they don't want to hear what you have to say like that. They're, they're posting. We, we are posting to have praise and to share and to have a conversation about what's happening, not to be told what to do necessarily. That changes as you build a relationship with someone, right? Like, so like it for you and I right now, because we've, we've interacted so much. If I go into your post, I'm like, dude, you are crushing it on those pushups if you get your shoulders a little bit more stacked, it's going to help you rise up when you're doing the pull through. That's different because there's been so many times where we've gone back and forth and I've said, Hey dude, nice job. And I left it at that, you know? So in terms of providing feedback and tips and stuff, I would save it. And I would just go out and give support to everyone who's jumping and say, nice job for showing up and doing it. And let's have a conversation about why this tool is so great. At some point, the subject of how to get better will naturally be brought up, right? Oh, and yeah. and I think that's a, a more authentic way of going about it versus I know so many things and I'm really good at this and you should listen to me. You know, like that's just kind of like, eh, it's not, it's not as fun. It's not as enjoyable as having a real conversation with someone. Oh, yeah. And I see it too. Like I, I'll be reading comments and, oh, man, you didn't realize it probably took them a lot of nerve to actually post that they just got a a pr and and you see some of those comments like here's how you can get an even higher pr but no Mm -hmm. praise them for the praise them for what they did that was an awesome thing and and i've been there i've been there that person who finally decided to actually use the social media and i'd never posted before and i'm gonna start doing it and then you slowly start tagging more people or Mm -hmm. using more hashtags 100 percent, and yeah and then that's it's a good point too, in understanding that everyone's coming from a different place. And if you've not interacted with someone before and you haven't had the chance to have a conversation, whether on the phone or, or digitally, it's better to just offer up positivity and be supportive than to, and, and I get when you want to help someone because that's really where we're all coming from. We all want other people to get better because we know what that feels like to to not know a piece of information and then once we find out and we make an adjustment it's like a domino effect of things getting easier but you can't offer that up front at least at least in my opinion from what i've experienced it's better to show up with positivity first and then let that kind of come later you know yeah come later and get to get to know the background and you know Mm -hmm. that's where i you know i saw that comment from you but it did make me curious to see where it wasn't a critique by any means. It mm. was just, uh, I think it more had to do with that profile picture, but it still made me yeah. go to that profile and see, where is this guy coming from? That was not and a good so... profile picture. I thought I was really <laughs> clever. Like, I thought I was real clever. And no, <laughs> I was oh, not. Man. It's a good thing it's gone. <laughs> it made you stand out. So it, it brought me to, to your page <laughs> and it got me uh, into seeing, which makes me move on to the next point, to the mm. competition world. I, yeah. It was a world that I still am so unfamiliar with. You know, there wasn't, I'm just barely finding out now. There are some teams in my area, like there's a, a, 
a younger team that does like elementary school assemblies and halftime shows. What team is that? I think it's called Just Jumpin'. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're they're not too far away from me, maybe like an hour away from me. And then uh, there are some of the the local universities here do have clubs that. Cool. And so I am starting to see some of the competition world here, but you know, it just wasn't something I was brought into like a lot of you competition jumpers. So as I see, I think this summer was the first time I was uh, following a lot of those live feeds at the the yeah. national championships mm-hmm. that were going on. And so that made me curious with questions that I think I've asked a few times in the uh, ask me anything questions mm-hmm. on the stories or getting into the competition world. So like the events mm-hmm. when you're on a team, I think one of the questions is like, do you in practices decide who's going to be? Does everybody do the speed events or do you decide who wants to do the speed event, mm-hmm. whether it's the three minute or whether it's um, I think it was a 30 second one as well. Yep, three minute speed and thirty second speed. Thirty second there, speed. There used to be a one minute speed, but they've taken that out. Um, in terms of when you're at practice, it really does vary between teams. On, I think um, on my team and I think on most teams, it's assumed that you're going to compete every event unless there's a reason not to, um, which is usually injury or team pairings. So for the single uh, single rope events, you're usually just you know, you're, you're doing it. And then when you start to do double Dutch and pairs and team events, that's when you have to start choosing who you're going to be paired up, who you're going to be paired up with based on usually age, but it can also be skill level. Once you kind of get higher up in skill level, um, I think that that can be, I think that can be pretty different depending on the teams that you're on, but that was my experience, um, on my team and in my region. And then we move on to the freestyle event. What is it? It's a one-minute freestyle routine, right? You have up to a minute 15 on the floor, yeah. And you have oh, to, to – it used to be a minimum of 45 seconds, but I believe it's a minimum of one minute now. So you guys – I think in the past uh, – one of the other podcasts, you guys touched a little bit on judging. Mm-hmm. But is it, what would you like to see different on like the judging? I think before I knew anything about it, my – mind was kind of maybe going to like gymnastics or some other mm-hmm. events or maybe like figure skating where maybe you had to have a minimum of uh, a combination sequence that required multiples and then maybe a power segment where you had to hit the ground or and so you could be creative as you wanted but maybe you had to hit you know like a multiple section uh you know something with push-ups being towards the ground mm-hmm. but is it really just whatever you want for one minute yeah, it it is whatever you want for one minute in the U.S. The rules are different in Europe, I think. And, well, actually, I know that they're different in other countries. I'm not sure exactly what the difference is because I haven't really looked into it. But in the U.S., you're free to do whatever you choose. I kind of, when it comes to the judging, I agree with what Devin said on our podcast a while back. Um, and I've had some similar thoughts, actually, with Mike uh, over the past year. And that's... Uh, I would like to see it kind of broken up a little bit. So in gymnastics, there are certain compulsory routines and you don't, you don't shift or you don't change what that routine is until you get to a very, very high level. I think jump rope could benefit from that in a, in certain aspects, but I think that events that are fully 
um, redesigned but fully creative would also be useful too. What that actually looks like, I'm not sure. Devin brought this up during our podcast and coincidentally, Mike and I have had numerous conversations about a jump rope competition where it's more of a battle style or more of um, a gamified approach. Um, What that would actually turn out to be, I'm not really sure, but I think separating the creativity from the discipline routine might uh, might help things out in, ter- in terms of the judging, but also in terms of people watching and seeing what's going on. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on that. Although I'm not super deep into the judging or the or that aspect of the competition world, so take it with a grain of salt for sure. But um, yeah, that's awesome. I definitely want to uh, go see one of these competitions someday. I think yeah. you mentioned once about uh, throwing around ideas about trying to do some kind of Instagram competition with mm-hmm. with jumpers throughout social media. Any uh, progress on idea how that might look? Yeah, I was kicking around an idea of a virtual team um, a couple of months back. Now, to be fair <laughs> and full, full disclosure here, I get a lot of ideas all the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just kind of like kick it out there and see what happens and see where I end up with it in a few weeks or a few months. But I would still like to do that, but to execute it, I would want to give it the appropriate amount of time and thought and care. And right now, it's not the top priority, but I think that it could be very feasible at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, it's still it's still in my mind. It's on the back burner, but it's not fully fleshed out yet. So I go, I'm a I'm a kid, you know, eight nine years old. I join a jump rope team. I think the question I think of first is I show up, maybe, you know, might cost however much per session, but, and they provide a rope. Where, where are the ropes coming from? That's, Uh, that's one thing I don't see from the competitor is we're not, the competitors aren't, you know, promoting the ropes Buy this rope. I use this rope, you know, there's no sponsorship or rope promotion really from those who were coming from the team and competitive side of jump rope. Yeah, and that's because when it really comes down to it, you know, I believe that there are certain ropes that exist that are better suited for different applications, um, like like for workouts and stuff. But the the jump rope is really just a tool, and I think that there's ways to potentially make these tools more effective. I'm not the best product designer. That's not really you know, my skill set. I think there's ways to make ropes better, but the truth is if it works, it works. And the tool is only going to be as good as its user. You know, um, somebody who's very well versed in jump rope can pick up just about any rope and more or less make it work for what they're trying to do. And that's, that's kind of the goal. But the reason jumpers don't really push it is because it's kind of, there's not that many suppliers for jump rope for jump ropes and you just don't really need to, I guess there's just not really a, a drive to push one specific rope. I'm trying to think of like a, a better, like more sexy answer here, but like <laughs> it's just, that's just kind of it, you know um, it is what it is and it, it works and it gets the job done. You it know, works. you got, you just got this blue and yellow rope that can be picked out in exactly. every one of your videos. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mine specifically. Yeah. That beaded rope, it comes down to preference too. Like I just love the way that rope feels, you know, but it also comes down to context too. Like you'll see me pick up 
a licorice rope or a long handle rope from time to time when I'm trying out a different skill. Um, I just really dig my beaded rope for the majority of my skills. So would you say you maybe move away from that as you're trying a certain skill? Maybe a you know licorice rope might be a little faster rope to refine that skill, but is the ultimate goal to get it on that blue and yellow, that beaded rope you got? For for me, yeah. Um, I especially with quads. My my mark of being able to do a quad is if I can do it with my beaded rope. The the majority of the time I can do it with my licorice because a licorice rope just moves a lot more quickly. Um, in that sense, it's technically you know easier in quotes, um, but it also feels different. So I feel like my quads feel more smooth and feel easier to accomplish from a rhythm standpoint with my beaded rope, but I can whip the rope way faster with a licorice. And that's usually where I'll start if I'm doing a really tough quad, you know? I like it. So then you are a jump rope coach over with RX Smart Gear, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it a little more geared like, you know, their ropes they use and and the workouts they do is a little more geared towards the CrossFit community. Yeah, absolutely. Just for brief context, Dave Newman, the guy who made RX, started it because he did CrossFit and the double under was a core skill for the workouts they were doing. He didn't know how to do use the jump rope effectively. He would some days have a lot of success with double unders and some days he would not have any success and he didn't understand why he comes from a background of gymnastics training where things are regimented and there's principles of movement. So fast forward 10 years and he's developed a line of ropes that fit that specific context of using a jump rope for CrossFit, but also applying it to different workouts. Hence something like the drag rope, right? That's not a conventional rope, but it's very, very useful for a workout context. If you're really trying to boost the heart rate and also good for mix, I like them for mix skills too, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where those come from. Yeah. And so how much luck are you getting in that side of, you know, being involved in the CrossFit world? How much luck are you getting? Cause you're, you're posting some tutorials a little bit with the RX smart gear, Instagram handle. You're, I think you did the mic release I think you've done toad. And so you're, you're getting a lot of CrossFitters eyes on those type of skill tutorials. Is How much success are you getting for people wanting to venture out away from just double unders in the CrossFit world and wanting to, to do those skills? Yeah. So success has to be defined first. So I have a very separate, I separate RX smart gear from my own personal stuff in terms of the videos that get published. Right. So with RX, there's a lot of trying to test out these kind of videos and kind of put out this information. RX makes a lot of jump ropes, but really the big reason why I'm there is the philosophy and the knowledge. Dave's approach to how to break down jump rope skills and how to break down a double under is extraordinarily unique and it not only matches the way I see it and the things that I've seen in jump rope, but it's not found anywhere else um, in terms of, you know, a place where you can work. You know what I mean? Um, But in terms of success on those, the goal is not necessarily to pull crossfitters into this kind of style of jump roping it's more to just expose and provide context you know anybody who does become interested and then try those skills it's great 
but the the goal is not necessarily to to convert them if that makes sense um but people are very very well receptive to these posts and they obviously think they're very interesting so in that sense they're really successful and when i show these skills to people live during a clinic or when i'm coaching someone and then at the very end they ask me about freestyle jump rope and i show them they find it very very interesting and i'm able to teach things like the mick pretty quickly to a lot of athletes so um, in that sense it's really successful so what about speed step training so you were posting over the summer you were doing those live speed step training you know in that gym nightly yeah what about i mean that work that was were brutal workouts and i was doing them right there with you putting you trying to grow Mm -hmm. those numbers yeah why why aren't we seeing the crossfit world even utilizing the speed step training because even the you know the rx ropes can definitely be used not just for double unders but for speed step training and those interval workouts because they are brutal yeah and and i use rx ropes for my speed step training too um i think in that application they're really really awesome um to answer the question as to why crossfit hasn't adopted that style yet i just don't think that they're fully aware of how to integrate that into their programming because crossfit um, is a very specific style of medium endurance high intensity interval training and to integrate a jump rope in that way would require i think a lot of understanding of a jump rope and a lot of understanding of different ways to pair that with different movements and that just isn't something that is known yet you know it's also not necessarily a question that i can fully answer because i'm not in the the crossfit hq you know what i mean um but i mean i definitely integrate speed training a bunch and i've i've paired it with movements like the deadlift or the back squat or you know an assault bike or something and it's freaking phenomenal and i think that they could get a lot out of that but the other aspect to it as well is that speed step to to jump ropers who are really used to jump roping it's very straightforward and an easy movement to people who are not familiar with a jump rope, it can be really, really challenging to the point where if you're not training that movement outside of workout and you're just trying to show up for a workout, get the work done and leave, it can be such a barrier to your workout that it ends up not being a workout at all. Does that make sense? If you can't get through it at all and you just miss the whole time, well, there's no reason for you to work out anymore because you're not even doing the skill you know, or if the whole purpose of having that 30 seconds of speed is to spike your heart rate, but you miss 10 times and your heart rate's not spiked at all, that that doesn't make the rest of the workout effective, you know? So in terms of adopting those kinds of things in CrossFit, there's a lot of different variables that have to be considered, but the most important is that uh, despite seeming like a straightforward skill, it's actually, there's a lot going on. So um, it's a little bit of a high barrier. In, in terms of a workout context. Oh yeah. And seeing it for me, that was a skill that I was able to pick up pretty easily. I just, whenever, when I started jumping, that was just something I could just do. Mm-hmm. And for others, it's the double under that, you know, so I have actually interacted with some CrossFitters who they're getting, you know, those 19 point, you know, those CrossFit game workouts mm-hmm. and they struggle, they're struggling with the double unders. And yeah. so their times are a lot, uh, a lot longer than they they wish because they just can't string together those double unders consecutively. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot that goes into that. It's really unique 
the double unders in CrossFit are very unique because of the types of athletes that you're working with. Um, when you take a, take a minute to look at all the different movements that are happening and the, and the way in which they happen and how they're paired, the musculature of the body changes a little bit to where it actually is a little bit more difficult to complete the movements. And that's kind of the whole purpose of CrossFit is to be constantly varied is kind of their, their thing. Um, and when you do that, it, it does make the skill more difficult and from what I've learned so far, and there's always exceptions to this, but from what I've learned so far is that most CrossFitters don't spend time outside of the gym training jump rope. Whereas all of us jumpers, that's our thing. We go to the gym to spend time on these skills. And when you put in those reps, you're going to become more comfortable with these movements, you know? Um, but if you haven't done a CrossFit workout with a jump rope, I would recommend it because it'll, it'll help teach and help you understand why it's so difficult to get these skills done. Now there are, there are a couple of other unique things like CrossFitters very, very common to be able to do a double under, but not do a single under because of you're, you're trying really hard to bound high and you're also trying really hard to spin the rope quickly. But not when you to try mention to, they're using the whistle or the whistle rope. Yep. Oh man, and those things are hard just to do single unders with because you they're whip they're meant to whip fast and double under, triple under. Yeah, and you unless you have a very um, high level of rope awareness, it's hard to tell where that rope is as it's traveling around you. You know, and for some again, it just comes back to it's the jump rope is skill acquisition. That's all it is. It's no different than you know learning to do a deadlift or a squat snatch or you know, a muscle up, they're all very specific movements. And if you don't take the time to break it down and learn it, you're just naturally going to have a little more difficulty. Now, the, the exception to that, of course, is that there are some freak athletes who just get it and they can do it and they do really well, you know, but for the large majority of it, that's why you see um, difficulties in the CrossFit context. But the these, um, these unique qualities or the way CrossFitters use the jump rope is also, I've also seen that in a lot of adults that don't CrossFit. It's actually a little bit, there are some things that are unique to CrossFit, but by and large, adults that pick up jump rope tend to have very similar um, paths to learning and barriers to learning a double under or really any other jump rope skill. And it's funny you mentioned the those who just have that just natural ability to pick it up. I've seen that just in tricks of the days and the combos of the days that people put out there. Mm -hmm. Some of those I'll spend 30, 45 minutes to an hour doing that. And I'll see someone else get reposted and it looks like they did it in about five minutes. Yeah. Well now, now don't be fooled though. Cause sometimes they did spend a lot of time. They just posted like, <laughs> cause I do that all the time where I'll be in the gym and I probably should change this, but I'll be in the gym for an hour and I'll work on a skill and I'll do it 30 times and miss every time. And I'll just get the one time I got it right. And part of that's because I just, it's just ingrained in my head from posting videos for t over 10 years. Like you just wouldn't post something that you missed, you know, but I do think it's interesting to see all the mistakes. And I think it's interesting to watch the process. So, oh yeah, so I, I think we've seen more. a lot of that lately, seeing a lot more people post the process, the bloopers, mm -hmm. which yeah, is definitely awesome to see, you know, the, their process. And you'll see first I had to learn the AS before I could throw in the second movement door. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things I, oh, okay, that's, 
that's an awesome breakdown. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're walking down the street and see someone jumping rope. What's going to be your go-to? If you're going to show off, what's your go-to combo? What What do you want to throw in that you know you're not going to miss and you're going to look cool doing it? So a couple things. One, I have been walking down the street and seen someone jump up before, which was really strange. That rarely ever happens, but that did happen. Uh, <laughs> two, I usually don't even bring it up, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like I just kind of like, hey, good for you. You know, and I give them some props and then keep going. Um, but if I, if for whatever reason someone was to be like, oh, show us what you got, you know. Make um, the jump rope or throw him a rope. He'll show you something. Exactly. Um, usually it's a triple under combination. Swing, swing under, TJ, swing cross open, swing open cross, EK, that kind of stuff. I'll usually do a handstand or plus a double under frog or something. Um, I'll do like a little manipulation sequence, usually a toad wrap and a, and a Kruger wrap. Um, some kind of, you know, obviously I'm going to throw a Mick in there. But when I do the Mick, I usually do it completely separate from any other skill. I'll just do single unders, throw a Mick, catch it, and then I'll wait for the reaction. Then I'll do it like three more times because people love to see that. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's kind of my go-to. That's oh, a good question. Man. I like that. that <laughs> I like that. Cause I, you know, I get that all the time at work, you know, people know me, you know, Chad jumps rope. The jump rope guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Chad's a jump rope guy. I'm the reason why our gym has more mats now because it's a second floor gym and, <laughs> nice. and it was that's making good. the people below us have too much noise. And there so they go. had to bring in more mats and, <laughs> and I've, I probably could make commission on jump ropes because so many people have bought them at my work because of it. You're an inspiration, dude. That's cool. And so, yeah, I think I do exactly the same thing. Just things that I know are going to look cool. They go, wow. Yep, exactly. Things that, and the truth is no matter what you do, it's going to be cool if you can hit it cleanly, you know, and that's really, yeah, as long as you can hit it clean, you're, you're pretty much set. So we talked on, and this actually goes with one of the uh, ask me anything questions, one of those standard questions you get. But we, you and I actually talked on this just a couple of days ago because somebody, somebody had mentioned something in a story about rope length, and I saw your comment saying, yes, you should always experiment with different rope lengths. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I see even a lot of people who have the skill set. They have a lot of the skills down, and they just think, I go shorter. I need to go shorter now. And that's one thing I think in the back of my mind is, you know, shorter is always better because there's times I'm working a combo and I, I got to go back up in length, you know, because some of those cross movements already shortens the rope. When you're crossing your arms, you have to really cross exaggerated. You're shortening the rope even more. So having an even shorter rope is going to really restrict your movement. Yep. And it, it all comes down to context. And there's one thing that I want to make super, super, super duper clear is that your jump rope needs to fit you the way your shoe fits you. If you start to look at your jump rope the same way you look at your shoes, everything changes and it makes sense and clicks immediately. And here's why. A handstand, a push-up, a toad, a Kruger wrap, a mick, and a triple under are all super duper different skills and they require different lengths as you're learning. And then what ends up happening is once you find a rope that tends to fit you for the majority of the skills you enjoy, you'll find that size that's really nice, but you'll always want to keep experimenting. There's a reason why we all have a lot of different ropes. Like even even competitors at the highest level still jump with several different ropes and have several different ropes so that we can experiment and play with something that's brand new. 
That's why I have, I always have with me one of Sonny's unconventional gains beaded long handles. I have my own beaded short handle. Then I have a, just a, a generic short handle licorice and a long handle licorice, right? So I have all four of those ropes with me because that covers the gamut for me. And they're long handle, short handle, and they're probably, I'm guessing, all a little bit different in length, correct? Well, to be honest with you, the the licorice ones, they change almost every time I jump because it depends on what I'm doing, you know? And so you you start with this general guideline. It, it Again, back to context, what are you working on? You and I right now, we're talking about freestyle skills, which is a specific context. So in that context, the ropes never going to be above your armpits or in all honesty it's probably never going to be above the bottom of your sternum or your the bottom of your pec height that's three feet plus your height in terms of the cable length and that's really going to cover you for everything that's probably honestly going to be a little long for most freestyle skills now to change that if you're going to go into a boxing gym and you're going to jump like a boxer and that's your style you're going to have an incredibly long rope because what happens is you're going to be forced to change your arm positioning. And if you change it correctly, your hands are going to come up to your armpits and not go out. They're going to come up to your armpits. And that's going to be a really functional position for a boxer, right? So it really, there's a lot of hard and fast rules about here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. And in jump rope, make sure your rope's like this. And the truth is the real answer is it depends. Exactly. I see that all the time. You see the tutorials, how to size your rope. And I always, that's, that's the one thing that I think is I got four beaded ropes. They're all four, just a, a little bit different from mm-hmm. each other, especially. And then there are short handle and long handles and, and then the, the licorice ropes, I'm able to knot them, you know, two knots. I'm still not getting, I'm taking one out. I'm going to add another one. And then you finally get it. And I find the length. I would recommend not doing knots though. And it's fine if you do, I'm not going to knock it, but taking the rope down by a specific size with whatever the mechanism is that's clipping your rope into place is a far better way to gauge the length of your rope. And it's just, it's really important to know the, like my, my beaded rope is seven foot, 10 inches. And I know, and I've done this before where I've sized all of my ropes just by feel and I haven't even measured them, and they've all landed either 7.8 or 7.10, depending on the handle the handle type and the rope type. Without without a shadow of doubt, it's just the same. And, and I know that's my size. The same way I wear a sh- certain shoe size, it's the same thing. Um, so I would re- definitely recommend you know knowing what that length of rope is because if your rope snaps in half and you have to buy a new one and for whatever reason it's just different – you know how long the cable needs to be, you know? So the other interesting thing along with sizing them, because you say you size them all and you can do it by feel, that's also going to include how many beads you have on that rope because I notice every every jumper is going to have that str- string space between, you know, the last bead and the handle. What's your preference on that? And And to explain to some of those people who may see that, what is the purpose of that? Why do you think that helps? That is feeling for me and it's preference. And there's a really important point here. And as much as I'm talking about sizing being, it depends, we do have to go back a step. And I I should have started with this in the first place. If you're just starting with a jump rope, there are certain guidelines that you can follow. 
I've found um, three feet plus your height as a rope length is an incredibly um, solid place to start because it's enough tolerance over your head and under your feet for you to be set. Um, and this is this is directly um, RX Smart Gear methodology and teaching and stuff right here. And we've talked about this so many, so many times. But what you're really looking for is the contact point of the rope. Where's the rope hitting the ground, right? So, when, so when we go back to what your question was there about you know how many beads on your beaded rope, so long as the rope's hitting the ground consistently where you want it to and it feels good, it really is going to depend on what you want that rope to feel like. I don't like having too many beads on there because when it gets too tight, I find that the rope either twists up or it just feels a little bit not the way I want it to. When I I think I have about a foot of empty space on my rope. So if I oh, were to... yeah, and you can see that in some of your guys' ropes. Like I remember seeing that when I first started getting into these these tricks. I go, man, I can see more string than beads sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's I'm not really sure from a physics standpoint what that does. I think what that does is there it causes a slight delay in the rope, so it's a lot easier to slow the rope down when you choose to. Um, and it also, it, it gives it this nice pendulum feeling where your handles are the center point and it feels like the weight is distributed evenly around the rope as it's going around you. Um, but again, that's not really, it's not really rooted in science at all, but it's more of kind of my perception on that. And, and again, it's really based on like the way you feel the rope and what you like. That's awesome. I think that's definitely good for, for people to hear. Cause I, it's just kind of those thought process that uh, I still get asked sometimes is, mm-hmm. you know, why the string space or or how short is that rope? Or I think I even posted one time, couldn't get a, a combo down, and I showed a picture of, you know, four different sizes of ropes, and then it was ended up being a little bit longer one at that time that I was able to get the combo, and mm-hmm. I think it was because it had some cross movements involved. So Yeah, I mean, as a standard guideline, anything – with multiples is usually going to be slightly easier with a shorter rope. So if you're doing a multiple and it feels like the rope is way too long, it probably is, you know, and I would definitely be aware of that. But when it comes to something like a crossing maneuver, especially if you're doing wraps where the rope's going around you twice and it's hooking a a limb of yours, you're probably going to want something a little bit longer, you know, or, or more intricate um, crosses like a go-go cross or like something like a TS where you're shifting where your hands are positioned and stuff like a little bit of extra length will probably be really helpful. So know that depending on the skill you're doing, it might be easier to nail the trick the first time or to practice it at the beginning with a different size rope. All right. Well, lastly, as we, uh, come to the close, I think I've hit about all my questions. Yeah. These have been what really gonna... good questions, by oh, the way. Man. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, definitely been wanting to drill your mind and any competitor's mind because it's not a world that I came from. And so someone with all that experience, especially that you go into the RX world and the competition world, it's been questions that I've had. And so bringing in the podcast has been awesome. I've been loving listening to them. I'm glad, man. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So what are we going to see in 2020? Um, hopefully a lot. <laughs> um, I have, I have a lot of stuff that I want to put out. Uh, definitely more podcasts, definitely more emails. 
Um, and I'm really looking to to bridge that knowledge gap that we were talking about, you know, add to that add to that pool of jump rope knowledge and hopefully um, get a lot more answers out into the world like these questions that you've been asking me and that other people have asked me. Um, probably will take the form of video. Um, and that's definitely something that's on my mind a lot, but you know, we'll see any way I can get the information out and deliver to anyone and everyone is kind of, kind of the goal, you know, oh, yeah. super helpful. Even like you said, it's that one way somebody explains something that it clicks for me, like the crisscross, I couldn't give myself a hug. I couldn't put the guns in the holsters. None mm-hmm. of those were clicking. It was for some reason, it was when I heard elbows aligned, even though it might mm-hmm. be physically impossible to get your elbows aligned with each other. Just mm-hmm. thinking that exaggerated movement, all of a sudden I started doing crisscrosses. Mm-hmm. When Dude. you did the step through release, it was don't let go until the rope was coming back up. Yep. Man, I started stringing those things together. Yep, exactly. There is one thing, though, just because we're on the topic and this kind of thing would bug me if I didn't say it. <laughs> the The hugging yourself with the crosses and getting your elbows aligned, hugging yourself is a great cue to get you to do it the first time, but know that your hands shouldn't be pointed directly behind you during the cross because um, that can throw off the rhythm a lot. You still want your hands to be moving in a circular motion and not pointing straight behind you during the cross. Um, The other thing with the elbows, I'm assuming by elbows aligned, you're meaning your elbows are basically touching in the cross. Is that what you're meaning? Yeah, like basically like you could draw a line. Draw a line straight down, they would be overlapping each other. So yeah. when the elbows touch, that tends to be a little excessive, but it's safe. And that'll help you get the cross in the first place. But it is a little bit excessive. And I do like my own personal bias with coaching is to efficiency. So the minimal amount required to successfully complete the skill. If you shoot for having your forearms overlap, that's typically still going to get your hands past your hips to create a full loop, but it's not, you know, too much where with the elbows crossing, you're still going to complete the cross, but you're just going to be kind of breaking form a little bit. And it's just a little bit too wide. You just don't need to, if that makes sense. Um, And the reason why I'm kind of being a little bit particular about that is because I see it a lot. And when you're used to doing it like that, it can be difficult to transition that such that, that massively wide cross into a skill like a double under swing cross or like a swing cross open triple under where you swing it, you cross and you open back up in a triple. Because if you're going so wide, there's so much that needs to happen with your placement that it can take up too much time to complete the skill and you can't move quickly enough. If that makes sense. Oh, that definitely makes sense. And when you got, you know, people like me, I'm not going to jump as high as somebody like Jimmy. So your hands got to be, your hands got to do more work than, than the height Mm -hmm. of your jump. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, this has been a really good conversation. I'm glad that we got to, uh, got to connect and do this, man. This has been super fun. Oh no, that was definitely awesome. Something that, uh, questions that I definitely been thinking of. So I appreciate, uh, giving me the opportunity to pick your mind. Absolutely, man. Thank you for taking the time and, uh, I'll definitely be catching up with you soon. Awesome. Awesome.